they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Thursday, August 27th, the Feast of uh, St. Monica. And um, we are actually in the 21st week of Ordinary Time. So the reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 42 through 51. And Jesus said to his disciples, stay awake. You need to move over. For you do not know which day the Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the Just house know had known the hour of the night when the thief was coming, he would Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. We're having a little technical difficulty, but you know what we always say? Life's full of adjustments, Mary. You married me. There you go. We're, ah! we're adjusting. It's Mary. actually Friday, September 4th, first. the first Friday of September. And we're now on Friday, starting today. There, That's it. This, new this is new our day. new time, Friday at noon. Mm-hmm. Here we are, Terry hey, and Mary. And I'm excited to talk about the sacred heart of Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. So what's... What's going on, Mary? I'm all, I'm all ears. Well, were we going to do the reading for the day? Or? Reading for the day, of course. Okay, well, we have for the reading for the day, we have a couple of things going on here. We have the first reading is from Corinthians, and St. Paul tells us in his first letter to Corinthians, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, Thus should one regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Now, it is, of course, required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. It does not concern me in the least that I be judged by you or any human tribunal. I do not even pass judgment on myself. Mm. I am not conscious of anything against me, but I do not thereby stand acquitted. The one who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, do not make any judgment before the appointed time until the Lord comes, for he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness Mm. and will manifest the motives of our hearts. And then everyone will receive praise from God, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the gospel is from Luke, where the scribes and the Pharisees, it's Luke chapter 5, 33 through 39, the scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus, the disciples of John the Baptist fast often and offer prayers, and the disciples of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink. Jesus answered, can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. And he told them a parable. No one tears a piece of new cloak to patch an old one. Otherwise, he will tear the new, and the piece from it will not match the old cloak. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be ruined. Rather, new wine must be poured into fresh skins. And no one who has been drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. The, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So in that first reading, yeah. Paul is giving an admonition. He's saying that he is a servant of Christ and steward of the mystery of God. And he's referring to, thus should one regard us. He's referring to the bishops and the priests of the church. The Holy Father, the bishops and the priests of the church, they don't willy-nilly go around making up what they think is the truth. 
Jesus Christ left a sacred deposit of truth Mm -hmm. for his church to pass on and safeguard. So we have to pray for our Holy Father, the bishops, the priests, that they will faithfully safeguard the sacred deposit Jesus gave them and faithfully pass it on regardless of the circumstances, whether convenient or inconvenient, in season and out of season. And then Paul goes on to say, a steward should be found trustworthy. So a a steward who's a good steward has to be trustworthy. Mm. So if the the faith isn't faithfully passing being passed on yeah. then the stewards who are in charge aren't being faithful and we need to pray we need to pray and sacrifice for our priests and our bishops and the holy father you know don't think it's because a man is ordained to the priesthood that he's then somehow has no temptation it doesn't take his manhood away he's still a man and he still has a fallen you know human nature he still has a weakened will and a darkened right. intellect right So it's not easy for him to do the good any more than it is for us. He has to pray every day and be faithful to his prayer life and his union with Jesus. And he has to fall in love with Jesus every day anew. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't do that, then he won't be faithful either. And he's not trustworthy. So we have to pray for them. Don't condemn them. Paul goes on to say, It does not concern me in the least that I be judged by you or any human tribunal. I do not even judge myself. What is he saying? I'm not conscious of anything against me. Is he mm-hmm. saying I don't examine my conscience? No. We all have to examine our own conscience right. and go to confession and confess our own sins. You know, if you go into the confessional and say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Oh, my husband, he is such a jerk, and he does this, and he does that, and he does the other thing. And Father will have to say to you, uh, excuse me, let your husband confess his sins. You need to confess your sins. And you need to either go out and examine your conscience Or if you need a little help here, right away, what you're doing is gossiping and you're passing rash judgment because you can't know whether you believe it or not. You can't know the interior life of your husband. So we don't go into the confessional to confess other people's sins. (laughs) We go into the confessional to confess our own sins. So we all examine ourselves, but it's not a matter of recrimination and beating ourselves up and I'm no good and I don't know. It's like standing before the Lord like the publican, so that in the end we say, Lord, be merciful to me, a Mm -hmm. sinner. And not like the Pharisee who said, Lord, and that would be like, you know, confessing other people's sins. Lord, I'm so much better than other men. I fast twice a week, and I do this, and I do that, and all these other people, they're such wretches, and they're such sinners. No, it doesn't work that way. So we have to pray for priests and bishops, and especially for our Holy Father, Mm -hmm. that they will teach, govern, and sanctify the church in accord with God's will, that they will faithfully pass on the sacred deposit of faith, and that they will keep the sacred deposit of faith, they can't change what God revealed. Another term we use is the perennial teachings of the church. Right. I like that term because it really just communicates to everyone that um, there's no expiration date when it comes to the Ten Commandments. Right. Christ's teachings don't change with time. No, they don't. They don't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. By the way, we're still required to follow the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. First of all, God is first, you know. I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. You know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Keep holy the Sabbath day. 
And even though we may be dispensed from our obligation to go to Mass on Sunday, we're not dispensed from our obligation to honor the Lord's Day and to honor God on that day and to give that day back to God. That's true. So we we still have to keep that commandment. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. And you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. So all of those commandments are still in effect. We still have to keep those. They're not outdated. Hmm. And by the way, following those commandments is the way to, to human happiness. So we have to examine our conscience and, and know that, you know, you can hide, we can hide our actions from other people. But when we are judged before God, everything that we have done will be brought into the light. So go to confession now and bring it to the light of confession now and, and offer that and pray for the priest who's going to hear your confession. So what's, what's happening in the gospel here? Well, the Pharisees are always trying to condemn Jesus. They don't really want to hear his message. They don't like it. Um, it's making them uncomfortable. And so they're, they're trying to pat, point out anything that they think, well, obviously you're failing here. John's disciples fast. Our disciples fast. What about your disciples? Mm. And what does Jesus say? He says, how can the wedding guests fast when the bridegroom is still with them? What is he saying? He's saying he's the bridegroom. Mm. Well, in the Old Testament... God presents himself as the bridegroom of Israel. Read Hosea. Read Isaiah. There are several passages in the Old Testament where God presents himself as the bridegroom of his people. Mm-hmm. Jesus is, by the way, this is the claim to divinity. So he's the bridegroom, and the church is his new bride, and he's with the wedding guests, so they can't fast. But the day will be ta- come when they will, he will be taken away, and then they will fast. And so there's a time for everything. That's in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes right. where it, it tells us that there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time to fast. There's a time to feast. That doesn't mean gluttony, but it means a time of rejoicing, you know, a time of weeping, a time of rejoicing, a time to plant, a time to harvest. Mm-hmm. There's a time to build up. Mm-hmm. There's a time to tear down. There's a time for everything under the sun in God's plan. And, and so for, for when Jesus was with the apostles, it wasn't the time for them to fast. But you know what? After he left, yes, they did fast. They fast and they went all over the world and and all over the known world of their time to spread the gospel. And so he also tells us that, you know, he gives this parable of the, the, the new cloak and the old, you know, the old cloak tore. So you don't take a piece from a new cloak to mm-hmm. patch it. And it, it's it, according to the fathers of the church and the commentaries, it's it's an analogy of the church and and. And the old Israel, the the church of the Old Testament and the church of the New Testament, that the church of the Old Testament was a prefigurement of the church that Jesus Christ would establish. Mm. There was a priesthood. There was the proper worship. There were vestments. There was specific um, uh, rules about how to worship. God showed. God told Moses. He taught him. Very specific, wasn't it? It was very specific. And so in the New Testament, too, there are, God has given specifics about how worship is to be carried out and who is the proper one to lead the worship, the priests. And so, but, but the old Israel has to be renewed and brought into Christ. And if you tried to put Christ into the old, old Israel, it's just going to destroy it. So instead, Israel has to be brought into Christ and renewed in Christ. And Jesus Christ is the new cloak. He is the new wine and the new wineskins, and we have to be brought into Christ. So this is what we want to take from this. 
That's awesome. Hey, I want to remind everybody on YouTube who are watching, like us, because then you'll get a notice when we're going to have our next show and also um, tell your friends about the Bible with the Barbers. That's how the show grows, because of you. And we'll be back with more the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin. The Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877 762 8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. Join VMPR live on YouTube September 12, 2020, for our latest free conference, The Ultimate Challenge. This exclusive virtual event will feature a brand new talk from Jesse Romero How Apologetics Brought Me Back to Faith. Plus, never-before-broadcast video presentations from Dr. Scott Hahn, Father Mitch Pacwa, and the late, great Father Benedict Groeschel. Go to vmpr.org to register now and get ready to face the ultimate challenge. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. Wanted to mention that Mother Miriam, who we've been broadcasting on YouTube, will now be broadcast only on the app and on our computer, on our uh, website. Uh, so I just want to give that give everybody that message and also... Don't forget the new show that we did with Bishop Joseph Strickland on Tuesdays. He's one of the best bishops that I'm aware of in the United States who's really encouraging people to know their faith. He's right now finishing up on the Ten Commandments. He's going to go to the Seven Sacraments. He's just doing a marvelous job addressing the issues of the day, and then he teaches the second half of the show on some fundamental teachings of the church, and I just think it's so beautiful. Mary, uh, I bragged about it on our show before this one about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This is first Friday for the month 
of September. Right. And I wanted to just talk about the beauty of a devotion to Sacred Heart and how it's a very biblical devotion. Absolutely. So I'm going to let you do that. All right. So we have um, the church has uh, her sacred liturgy. Mm-hmm. And in her liturgy, um, many people might not know this, but the only the readings that are done in the liturgy are all taken from Scripture. And so we have the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That feast day is celebrated as a solemnity in the Catholic Church. So it would be similar to a Sunday. So we have a three-year cycle of readings, and you have different readings for each year. But the entrance antiphon is the same every year, and it, the entrance antiphon is from Psalm 33. The design of his heart, the designs of his heart are from age to age to rescue their souls from death and to keep them alive in famine. Do we know the heart of our God? What is the heart of our God? Well, if we read the Old Testament, I know a lot of people get this impression that the God of the Old Testament is this vengeful, you know, wrathful God who, no, you're not, you're missing it. Mm-hmm. The God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New That's Testament. That's right. We don't throw out the Old Testament when, the, when Jesus comes along. You know, the, the Old Testament is, is the prefigurement. It's, it's the, it's the sh- foreshadowing of Jesus coming. Isn't it a fair statement to say if you don't understand the Old Testament, you miss so much of the New? Exactly. If you don't understand the Old, you're going to miss a lot of the New. But if you don't read the New, you're not going to understand the Old. That's right. Because there's no um, reference. There's no way to understand what was, because Christ is the fulfillment. Right. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So he, you, if you are introduced to the fulfillment, then you go back and you read the Old, and it's like, oh, this was referring to this, and this, and it's true. It's you know the fathers of the church recognize this, the prophecies, and the and uh, thus were referring to Christ's coming and what he was going to do. And of course, the Scripture teaches us something about God. God is love. In our Western world, we see the heart as the place of love. Now, some people would object to, um, you know, honoring Jesus' sacred heart and worshiping it. They say, well, you know, that's his humanity. Well, the deal is the humanity of Christ was united to his divinity and so that there's no separating his divinity and his humanity. Once this, the word of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, became man, for all eternity he remains the man God. Amen. So his humanity is fully divinized in a way that no one else's will be. We have a technical term, the hypostatic union. Exactly. And that sounds like, what the heck is that? But it's the uniting of the divinity and humanity of Christ. Right. And that it's, 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 it's something... It's something, you know, above and beyond what yeah. we are familiar with. In, because how can God unite to man? Yeah. And, and, of course, this is only God could, could, could take a human nature and unite it to his divinity. But he did that, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And that's the work of the entire Trinity because in keeping that union, the Father and the Spirit are there. They, they make possible that the, the Son, the Son's not working alone when he is... Um, the Savior, Jesus Christ, walking around in a, in a human nature, but nonetheless still remaining the Son of God for all eternity. He never left heaven. He, it's, and this is, you know, God is God and we are not. Yeah. And there are things in God that are just beyond us. And, and we have to believe in faith because God, there are certain things about our faith, you know, that, okay, that God exists, that's not an article of faith. That's a self-evident truth that we can know with the unaided light of our reason. But that 
that God is a trinity of persons, we need faith to believe that. And we need God to reveal that. And we need faith to be able to believe God's revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man, that, that his human nature is united to his divinity and will remain united for all eternity. So in heaven, God is, the Son of God is not just a spirit. The Father and the Holy Spirit are still just spirits. But the Son will always be the God-man. He has his humanity. As a matter of fact, in Revelations four, we have, in Revelations five, we have the Lamb appear there, and what John hears is the Lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered, and he turns around, and what does he see? A lamb, mm-hmm. a lamb standing as though he said, "Well, why a lamb? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who gave Himself for mankind." What is he doing in this giving? What does his heart represent? It represents that love that he pours out. And in heaven, he still is the lamb bearing the scars that he, and and it's not literally a lamb, he died on the cross. And in heaven, he still has those scars in his flesh. So his, his body is in heaven, united to his divinity for all eternity. And yes, his heart is there. And from his heart flows everything that he wants to give us. And we had, you know, at the, at the foot of the cross, you have the soldiers, you know, the, it was a solemn feast day. The Jews wanted the bodies taken off the cross because they didn't want them there over the, the Passover that was the solemn Passover. And so they went and they broke the legs, first of the one thief and then the other thief. And when they came to Jesus, he was dead. And so what happens? The centurion pierces the heart of our Lord with a lance. That's right. He pierces it with a lance, and blood and water flow out. And the fathers of the church and the, the doctors of the church have always told us that that represents the sacramental life of grace flowing out from the heart of God, which in essence is his love. You know, it's so beautiful. Last night we did the Passio Domine. We observed the Passion of Christ, and um, one of the members had printed out a meditation off the Opus Angelorum website on um, the agony in the garden that we could, you know, take five different aspects of the agony in the garden and meditate on them and pray five decades of the rosary. So we did that. Mm-hmm. And in those meditations, and just as an aside, we will again observe the passion of the Christ this afternoon from noon to three as members of the Opus Angelorum. We pray with Jesus in his agony on the cross, not just on Good Friday, but every Friday. But in, the, in those meditations last night, what was brought out? The tremendous love that Jesus is pouring out. God's justice, according to the saints and the fathers of the church, would have been satisfied with the first drop of blood that Jesus shed at his circumcision because everything in his human nature is united to his divinity, so every action of his human nature becomes infinite in merit. So the first drop of blood that he shed at his circumcision would have been sufficient to to, to satisfy divine justice for the offense committed when of original sin and all sin. But then in the agony of the garden, if you read the agony in the garden, Jesus sweat blood. He, was, he said, Father, if it is possible, let this chalice pass from me. And the saints and again, the doctors of the church, the fathers of the church have told us that he was crushed under the weight. His, his body was terrified at the prospect of what was going to happen. And he did know it was all prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus was very familiar with the prophecies. 
You know, read the suffering servant Psalms in Isaiah. Read Psalm 22. He knew what was going to happen to him. And yes, he had to let his human nature express itself. The terror that he felt and that just the crushing weight was so great that it broke all the capillaries under his skin Mm. so that he bled. He sweat blood in the garden. Now, all that, that would have been more than sufficient to satisfy the justice of the father. But what didn't it satisfy? It didn't satisfy the tremendous love of his heart. I want, I not just want to satisfy the justice of, of God. I want to convince men, hardened sinners, I want to convince them that I love them so much mm-hmm. that I not only will sweat blood, which could kill a man, but I will go through a scourging that would kill a man. I will go through a crowning of thorns that would kill a man. And I will go through crucifixion and I will live for, for three hours on that cross, at least three hours, and suffer. I will pour out every single drop of my sacred humanity beyond the capacity of my sacred humanity, sustained only by my will to love and the Most Holy Trinity sustaining me in desiring to love man so much. And it's interesting because in the revelations of the Sacred Heart, this is one of the things that Jesus says to St. Margaret Mary. He holds his heart in his hand and he shows it to her. And he says, Behold this heart which has so loved mankind and been loved so little in return. Think about what was going on in that culture at that time. It was the French Revolution. Man had turned away from God, and Jesus was trying to bring man back through great love for the for the Sacred Heart. I just want to pray this prayer to the Sacred Heart, and I think it's so beautiful. Think about this. It says, well, let's just pray it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Compassionate Jesus, I remember your gentle invitation to come and be refreshed. I bring you now all my worries, fears, needs, doubts, and those of my world. I entrust you, my loved ones, both living and deceased. Enfold us all in your love now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Mary, this prayer I thought of being promoted so much because right now there's so much fear in the air in our country right now. Absolutely. People fear of COVID-19 more right now than we fear mortal sin. Yes. And that's tragic. That is tragic. So I just, I want, I want to encourage people have great love for the devotion to the sacred heart and entrust yourself to the sacred heart of Jesus in this time. We're very similar times from 1675 to right now, the culture threw God out back yeah, then. Right. And let's be honest, the culture's throwing God out of the arena of even thoughts, like anything with God. Well, no, no, we can't talk about that here. Right, we can't talk Separation about that. Separation of church and state. Wrong. We need to bring Jesus Christ. And as a matter of fact, Mary, next Tuesday, uh, I'm going out on the streets with a camera and a microphone, and we're going to talk to people about trusting God to overcome the fear of COVID-19. We're going out to the streets, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and we'll play some of these clips back to people here listening because we want to encourage you to have trust in the sacred heart of Jesus in these times of great peril. Right, and what does he say? He says, behold this heart which has so loved you. He loves us. 
and he wants us to respond in love. Mm. Love is diffusive. It gives itself away, but it also desires to be loved in return. And and because he's God, we owe it to him to love him in return. (laughs) Well said. That's a very true statement. You know, that's the thing right now our culture needs to know. We need to know Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. We'll be right back with more on the Bible with Parsons. Hands on Apologetics, you have entered into Virgin Most Powerful's Apologetics Dojo, where we go wall to wall with defending, explaining, sharing the faith. Master Apologist, Carlo Broussard. Carlo, welcome to Hands on Apologetics. Hey, Gary, it's great to be back in the dojo, my friend. Master Apologist, Ken Hensley, welcome to Hands on Apologetics. Good to see you again, Gary. Good to be with you. Michael Barber, welcome. You have entered into the Virgin Most Powerful's Apologetics Dojo. Gary, thanks for having me on. We are chatting with Master Apologist Carl Keating. Gary, it's great to be back with you. Coming into the dojo is our good friend Steve Ray. Thank you, Gary. Good to be here. Tim Staples, welcome to Hands On Apologetics. Hey, it's great to be with you, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Join many others in Gary Machuda's Apologetics Dojo. We have some of the best Catholic apologists in the nation. Streaming live weekdays from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific. Hands-on apologetics on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. Terry stepped out for just a moment. He'll be right back. So we're talking about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, because this is the first Friday of September. And when Jesus appeared in France to a religious sister, St. Margaret Mary of Alacoque, he asked that on the first Fridays... of nine consecutive months that we go to Holy Mass, receive Holy Communion in the state of grace. So if we haven't, you know, we should go to confession if we aren't in the state of grace or are conscious of mortal sin, we need to go to confession before we receive Holy Communion. And also make adoration to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And he requested this because he loves us so much. And the world at that time already in the 1600s was beginning to turn away from him and act as if we have a finality in this world that we don't, um, that God isn't first, 
that we can have our worldly pursuits first and then, oh, God just kind of fits in there on the side, you know. It's interesting. I just, uh, for Christmas one year, somebody gave me a jar, a baby food jar, one of the, the regular, you know, little half-sized baby food jars. And um, I, I guess they're about four ounces. Anyway, um, they, they had rice and a walnut in it. And then there were instructions in it. And it was a half a cup of rice and a walnut. And the instructions were, you have to put the walnut in first, and then you pour the rice in around it. And when you do that, everything fits perfectly in the jar, and then you close it up. If you put the rice in first, and then you try to get the walnut in, you will spill things out of the jar in order to get the walnut in. Well, what does this mean? It's a parable. That jar with the rice and the walnut was was a parable. And the parable was, the walnut represents your prayers. You put them in first. And then if you put those in first, the half a cup of rice all fits in there perfectly around the walnut without anything spilling out. It's perfect. If, however, you put everything else in first, all the rest of your life in first, and then try and put your prayers in later, it's not going to fit. Your prayers won't fit without spilling something out. So if you want your life well-ordered, we God is first in our life. And this is what Jesus was lamenting when he appeared to St. Margaret Mary, and of course people, well, this is a private revelation, and it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't add to the gospel. There's nothing in it that's contrary to the gospel. Did Jesus ever speak about his heart? Well, let's see, Matthew 11, 25 through 30. Um, he's talking about, you know, he praises the Father in heaven, that he has hidden from the learned and clever all these things, and he's revealed them to the merest children. And then, Father, you have graciously willed it so. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. So we can only know the Father by the Son revealing him. And then he says something. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. And you will find rest for yourselves, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is asking us to come to him to find rest, that his heart is humble, and it is in his humble heart that we will find rest. And we come to the Lord humbly as children, which was the first part of the reading. You know, Father, you have revealed to the merest children what you have learned, what you have hidden from the learned and the clever. It's not our learning and our cleverness that, that gets us close to God. It's our humility. It's our growing as children. It's our faithfulness to the Lord. And so we come to him, and how is it that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Well, because when you yoke an oxen, if it's a double yoke, there are two of them together, and they work together. So when we yoke ourselves to Christ, it is Christ who carries the burden for us if we allow him to. You know, we can be stubborn and say, I'm going to do it myself. I can do it all for myself. I don't Mm -hmm. need anybody. But that's not, first of all, it's not true. We can't get to heaven on our own. We can't save ourselves or get to heaven on our own. Only God can do that. So Jesus is showing us his heart. And again, in the Old Testament, as you know, the thoughts of his heart last from generation to generation to save them from death and feed them in time of famine. And what is the death that God is going to save us from? Is he going to save us from physical death at the end of our life? No. Because of original sin, we all have to die. So by the way, we don't need to be afraid of COVID-19 or any other disease. Amen. And we're not supposed to fear anyone, even anyone who can kill the body. We're only supposed to fear 
offending God by sin. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to fear. And we're that's all not mixed up, Mary. We are all mixed up. And it's not the thing is that fear also is not a oh, I'm gonna go oh, everything's a sin and oh I've committed a moral sin and I can't go to communion day because I know I commit a moral sin and I have to go to confession every time before I go to communion. No. No. There, you know, a mortal sin is mortal sin. First of all, the sin, it has to be serious moral evil. Second of all, you have to know that it's serious moral evil. You have to have full knowledge that it's serious moral evil. And then you have to do it with absolute freedom, with the full consent of your will. So I know it's wrong to rob a bank. And if someone puts a gun to my head and says, look, if you don't rob that bank, I'm going to kill you. Out of fear, I might capitulate and rob that bank. But was that a free moral act? No, it wasn't. It can't be a mortal sin. Well, what if I do something, but I don't know that that action is a serious moral evil? Then it can't be a mortal sin. But, but that doesn't mean I should remain ignorant. I mean, some people think, well, and this is one of the approaches to catechesis. It's so false. It's like, right. don't tell them it's a mortal sin, and then it will never be a mortal sin. Heard that before. That's a problem, yeah, okay? Think? Because it's still sin, and sin is sin. Mm-hmm. And it, it separates from God, us from God, even if it's not mortal. It, sin darkens the intellect and weakens the will. And so although no number of venial sins can add up to a mortal sin, because mortal sin is death to the soul, nonetheless, the venial sins darken our intellect and weaken our will so that when we're tempted to mortal sin, we cave. We just fall. Yeah. And so we need to come to the Lord. We need to come to his heart and humble ourselves. Again, like, like the, the Pharisee and the publican, the, the publican said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He humbled himself before the Lord. Whereas the Pharisee wasn't justified. Why? Because he exalted himself before the Lord. And Terry mentioned at the end of the last show when he introduced me that um, this, is, this devotion to the Sacred Heart is similar to the devotion to divine mercy. Right. The divine mercy doesn't show the heart of Jesus openly, but it shows the rays of light coming through the robes of Jesus where the heart is. Mm -hmm. So God's mercy flows through the heart of his son. Mm -hmm. His mercy, why? Because the heart of God desires the conversion and healing of sinners. He doesn't want sinners to die in their sin. He says this in the Old Testament. As I live, said the Lord, I do not desire the sinner to die in his sin, but rather that he turn to me and repent. So God is wanting us, and Jesus literally died on the cross for us to give up our sins and turn back to the Lord, to make the Lord the center of our life. And in this devotion to the Sacred Heart, there's actually a practice of enthroning our homes to the Sacred mm-hmm. Heart of Jesus. And, and I know some people object to having religious pictures in your home. Well, in the Old Testament, God told Moses to make the seraph, the angels, excuse me, the angels worshiping. You have the, the, the image of the angels worshiping on the Ark of the Covenant. Right. You have lots of images of created things carved in the temple. And then when the people were bit by the seraph serpents, Moses was instructed to make a bronze serpent and raise it on a pole and put it up. And anyone who looked at the bronze serpent up there in the sky, of course, we know from the fathers of the church that the bronze serpent represented Christ and that anyone who's been bit by the poison of sin will be healed by looking at Christ and asking for mercy. The seraph serpents were set among the people because the people complained against God. And this is what we tend to do. But we want to take the picture of Jesus and enthrone it in our home, not because we worship the picture. Right. Do you have pictures of your family? In your wallet. In your wallet, <laughs> on, on your, your mantelpiece, on sure. the walls of your home? Are you worshiping those pictures? No. No. 
They bring back memories. They help you to feel closer to the people that you love. You know, out of sight, out of mind. So we have pictures of God because Jesus Christ really is God. This is not some form of idolatry. God really became man, and he really died on a cross. And the problem is that we're forgetful people. And when we don't have the crucifix in front of us, we tend to forget all that he suffered for us. What a manifestation of love. Jesus isn't saying, isn't looking at us from the cross and saying, you miserable, wretched sinners, do you see what you did to me? He's looking at us from the cross and he's saying, I love you this much. I will pour out everything for you. And in the end, at the very final end, after he's taken his last breath and there's nothing left, they pierce his heart. Mm. So that the blood and the water that were still there, so that everything is squeezed out of him. Mm. Absolutely everything in his humanity is poured out to show us the depth of his love, how much he loves us. So he wants us to trust in his love. And the picture of the sacred heart of Jesus, we enthrone in our homes as a reminder, a reminder of this love, mm-hmm. this love of God, this tremendous lover who loves us. You know, from beginning to end, God loved us into existence. He made us out of love. He made us so that we could enter into a love relationship with him. And he made us so that we can be in eternity with him where he's loving us and we're loving him for all eternity. So he wants us to begin to love him now. At Valentine's Day, you know, do you give Valentine's to people? Pictures of hearts. Why? I'm trying to say I love you. So it was funny because I remember my, I had a nephew. He's a priest today. When he was five years old, it was close to Valentine's Day and everybody was giving these Valentine cards out. And he, uh, he's dancing around the house and he's looking at all these Valentines. And then he looked at the picture of the sacred heart on my parents' wall and he pointed to it and he said, and there is Jesus, Valentine. Out of the mouths of babes, mm-hmm. this five-year-old Beautiful. child sees this picture of Jesus, mm-hmm. and he realizes everybody's trying to say they love each other, and here Jesus is. This He's telling us he loves us. Mm-hmm. A five-year-old got it. You know? I love you so much. I will pour out my life for you. Right. So we yoke ourselves to Christ, and we come to him And he helps us carry the burdens of life. And he gives us, he is meek and humble of heart. And if we imitate him and become meek and humble of heart, then we will serve as he served. And we will learn to love as he loves. Sure makes sense to me, Mary, especially in these times we're living in. Again, we're living in times of fear. The the government, the the state is all telling us about COVID-19. And uh, many people are, are running scared. And I think what we need to do is not hide under the bed, but to bring forth Christ's light into the world by sharing the good news. That's what we do here on the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be right back for the final segment. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an uh, on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show in the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony. How does the baby move in your tummy? To How does the baby going eat? To Virgin Most Can the baby Radio. hear me? How did the uh, baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the key word Pro-Life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And we mm -hmm. were talking about the Sacred Heart of Jesus because this is the first Friday of the month. Um, Jesus asks us to honor his heart, mm. his heart that loves so much. And, you know, it's just it's the first commandment, right? I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. Jesus Christ is not a strange God. The second person of the Blessed Trinity took to himself a human nature. Right. And so his heart, it's not idolatry to worship his heart. His heart is divine. It is, we are worshiping the Son of God made man as our Savior, as Jesus Christ, the anointed of God who comes to bring salvation to the world. And by the way, it's interesting when Jesus revealed the devotion to the Sacred Heart to mm -hmm. St. Margaret Mary, and she wasn't, you know, the, it wasn't the first introduction of devotion to the Sacred Heart in the Church, when that was revealed to her, um, Jesus asked that the feast day be established on the Sunday after Corpus Christi. That's right. Now, in the, in the old calendar, before the, Corpus Christi was on the Thursday after Pentecost, um, no, the third, excuse me, the Thursday after Trinity Sunday. So you had Pentecost, and then you have Trinity Sunday, and then you had Corpus Christi, and then it was on a Thursday, because Thursday is the day that Jesus had the Last Supper and instituted the priesthood and the Eucharist. So that was Corpus Christi was celebrated on that day, on Thursday, in honor of the fact that Jesus had established the Eucharist on a Thursday and the priesthood on a Thursday. And so that it would be celebrated on the next day 
the Friday after Corpus Christi. Well, why would Jesus ask that the the, um, Eucharist and his sacred heart devotion be put together back to back day apart? It's interesting because there have been Eucharistic miracles throughout the history of the church where a priest doubted that the that Jesus that the host really changes totally right. its its substance into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I know some people, like somebody said when they were in high school, somebody asked him, "Well, you mean to tell me you're eating Jesus, his flesh and blood, like he was walking around in Galilee?" And no, we're not cannibals. When Jesus gives himself in a, to us in the Eucharist, he's giving us his risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity. His spiritual body, mm-hmm. which St. Paul talks about that in his letter, uh, one of his letters, where he talks about the difference between the, the, the body that we see here on earth and the spiritual body we will receive in heaven. It will be a real body, but it will be spiritualized. And so we receive Jesus Christ under the appearance of bread, but it's really him. And in these miracles where there have been times when the chalice overflowed with blood and the, the host turns into flesh. Cardiac tissue. And it's cardiac tissue. It's always cardiac tissue. It's the heart. It is the heart. So in the Eucharist, Jesus Christ didn't just die on the cross. He didn't just suffer all of this agony to to show us. I mean, he did suffer it and so so doing showed us how much he loves us, right? Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, he showed an even greater depth of love. You see, Jesus Christ leaves us his body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of bread and wine, his risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity. As he is present in heaven, so is he present in the Eucharist. And he, he stays with us. He wasn't just Emmanuel, God with us, back in the day when he was walking in Galilee and Nazareth. He remains Emmanuel, God with us. He is still present among us in his risen, ascended, glorified state. As he is present in heaven, so is he present in the Eucharist. And he remains with us. Jesus is really present in the Eucharist. And so these two things go together. The blessed sacrament and devotion of the sacred heart. The, the, the blessed sacrament is the heart of our God. To show the, and, and the, the heart of our God, the height and length and breadth and depth of the love that he pours out for us in his son. He wants us to know how much we are loved. You know, they say you, you catch more flies with, with honey rather than vinegar. You know, if you want to bring people, you have to convince them of your love. It's interesting. I've always thought of the analogy of raising an animal. You can cow an animal. You can make them afraid of you and beat them into submission. But a cowed animal doesn't trust you. And they won't. They only do what you ask them to tell them to do because they're afraid of getting beaten. But the moment they sense any weakness in you, they will turn on you and attack you. If you gentle an animal, if you get an animal, if you win their trust, you win their trust, you are consistent with them, you treat them the same time every time, they know that you're not going to hurt them, they trust you, they'll do anything for you. And this is what our Lord does. You know, granted, if we refuse his love, he will let us. He will honor that choice for all eternity. And if we refuse his love, the the eternal consequence is hell. But if we want to love him in return, all we have to do is turn to him and say, Lord, I desire to love you. Help me to love you. It's like the man who brought his son Mm -hmm. 
to the, the apostles to heal him. The, the, you know, the, they call it the epileptic son now, but yeah. he's foaming at the mouth and he's rolling around and having convulsions and the apostles can't cast out the demon, the right. deaf and mute spirit. And Jesus, Jesus says to the man, how long has this been going on? And he said, since his childhood. And he, sometimes it throws him into the fire. Or sometimes mm-hmm. it throws him into water. And I'm afraid he's going to die. And, and, and um, the man says, Lord, if you can do something, do something. If. Yeah, and that's what Jesus said. I know. <laughs> if anything is possible to those who have faith. And the man responds, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, the difficulty was, was the possession of the son was rooted in the father's unbelief. And so the, the man has to put his full faith in the Lord. Yes, I do believe, Lord, and I know my belief is weak, but help my unbelief. And so the same, yes, Lord, I want to love you. And yes, I'm, I'm attached to the things of this world, and I, I love the things of this world too. And, and, and it's not good to love what's below me in, in nature because then I become like what I love, you know, and I, I should be loving you because then you will lift me up. But I need your help to become free of all of these attachments. Mm. You know, all these, you, know, you can take a bird and you can chain him down with a chain and he can't fly, but you don't have to chain him down with a chain. That would be like mortal sin, right? Right. All you have to do is take a little thread and tie it to his foot mm-hmm. and he can't fly and tie him down to something. So venial sin ties us down. It keeps us from getting to the full heights of what God and even attachments Little attachments to the things of this. Well, I didn't think it up. You know, you got to check no, my writers. No, I've already, I've already <laughs> read that years ago. Mary, I just want to remind everybody, on the 14th of September, Father Wolfgang from the Opus Angelorum, you're talking about, you know, the uh, praying before the Blessed Sacrament. Amen. He's going to be here for a mission three days, 14th, 15th, and 16th at 6 o'clock in the evening. We'll have rosary, mass, confessions, and he's preparing people to make their consecration to the guardian angel. And uh, I want to encourage our listeners, if you've never been involved with the Opus Angelorum, this would be a good opportunity to establish that relationship. We're going to be there, God willing. And I'd like to see you there and learn more because, as we always say, the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work and get close to your guardian angel because your guardian angel's job is what Mary was just saying about getting to heaven. Right. That's why he, God gave you his, your guardian angel. To help you to get to heaven. But to help you to love God more. You have free will. That's like right. Mary was talking about. Free will. Saying, I'm, you know, I can choose God or I cannot choose God. I can, live my, I can do it my way. God will honor your decision. So, he is not going to overstep free will in your life. No, he's not. And that's, you know, some, some people are like, well, why would he give me freedom if he, if he knew I was going to reject him? Because he wants you to love him. Yep. It's as simple as that. If you're not free, it's not love. And just because God knows what you're going to do doesn't stop you from having free freedom to choose. God, we have an attribute of God. He's all-knowing. Right, exactly. But that doesn't stop you from having free will to right. choose. His knowledge, his knowledge is not predetermining there your you actions. That's better way. Okay, God's it. knowledge doesn't predetermine our actions. Yep. Whether we choose God or reject God is our. That's our will. That's right. We have to ch- make that choice with our will. And if we choose God, even if we fall down a lot, it's not a problem. As long as we get back up again and turn back to him. Yeah. I always say when she says that, she knows for 30 some years, folks, I'd always say, my dad would say, I only have one question when you fall. Did you get up? 
And I yes, I got up, Dad. Yeah. And that's what I tell our kids. We talk about that. And this is a good time, actually. If you haven't been to confession, I know that the COVID-19 has closed a lot of churches. But if you make the effort right now to find a priest to get to confession, do that now. If it's been over a month, it's time. It's time. It's time. If the church councils once a month, and don't wait till you fall into mortal sin. We go, Pope John Paul II recommended devotional confession, mm-hmm. and he said we should be going to confession at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Once, he's talking about frequent confession, frequent confession, and somebody yeah. said, what do you mean? And he said at least once a month. So, you know, if, if we do that, remember, the sacrament of confession isn't just for the forgiveness of sins. It's for the strengthening of our will. And it, it helps clear up the fog in our intellect so that we know. The intellect has to know the true good so that the will can choose. God is the true good that we were made to choose. Okay. Our, our, our up ahead, up ahead, adelanto, we are um, aiming for heaven. We don't have any finality here in this world. Our homeland is heaven. We want to get home. We're exiles. And so we need to constantly come back to the heart of our God. Mm. The heart of our God, which desires, by the way, the conversion of sinners. And this is in our time right now, especially with the election. Don't be condemning. God have mercy on them. All the people are promoting abortions. Pray for their conversion. Pray for their conversion because they would do the equal and opposite good. If they were converted to Christ, they could do much more good than us people who aren't public figures. Can you imagine George Soros if he was a converted Christian? I mean, he, he's Jewish, but I'm not saying he meets Jesus and he's 89 years old. He's got one foot on the banana peel, but prayers from people uh, were enough to convert him to the Catholic faith. Wow. And that can happen. That can happen. Fact, I'm going to pray for him right now. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Mm-hmm. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Remember what Our Lady said, Mary? Yep. Our souls are going to hell because there's no one there to pray and, and make sacrifices. Wow. So we pray for the conversion of sinners. This Amen. is the heart of our God. And ask Amen. the precious blood of Jesus that flowed from his heart to come down upon our world, our political leaders, our families, mm. our nation, our state, for the conversion, for peace, for healing. And, and know that um, we are loved. We are loved. And that's what it is about. And Mother Miriam, now her show is going to be available on? On the app, on the Virgin Most Powerful app. And we now are on Fridays at, uh, at noon, so we have a different time. So I want to thank you for all of you who support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Don't forget our new show with Bishop Joseph Strickland every Tuesday at 12 noon. You can always check all these out on podcasts. We've got some great programs for you to listen to that will help you fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. May God richly bless you. And here at the Bible with the Barbers, we hope to see you again next Friday. I was going to say Tuesday, but next Friday. Friday. God love you. (laughs) St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests. O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set 
for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.